What is up, Mets fans, and welcome to another episode of Amazing Talk. I'm Steve Ford. Alongside is Charlie Argento. Thank you for listening in on our podcast of all things New York Mets baseball. If you do enjoy our show and content, please subscribe to our podcast so you can check out new episodes as they are released. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And you can also follow us on Facebook. We also have a great announcement at the end of the show, so be sure to stick around. Again, we thank you for listening in, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode of Amazing Talk. Before we start, I'd like to give a big shout out to all four of our listeners out there. <laughs> uh, seriously, thank you to everyone who's listening to our podcast and for all the positive feedback we received after uh, following our first episode. We have, we're having a lot of fun doing this and we're looking forward to continue to bring you new episodes as often as possible. Our goal is to shoot for an episode a week over the course of the baseball season. Hopefully you keep coming back for more. Well, baseball is back, Charlie. We we have an improved team, fans in the stand, Gary, Keith, and Ron in the booth. Life is good. Life is good, and we have 500, and we're on yep. our way to first place. Yeah, we're getting there. One, one day at a time, one game at a time, but we're looking good so far. Uh, Charlie, let's, let's jump right into it and dress the elephant in the room. Uh, it has happened. The New York Mets and Francisco Lindor agreed to a long-term deal to keep the superstar shortstop in orange and blue for the next decade. Yeah, I was I was surprised by the deal. I thought it was the end result when they announced it was 10 years, 325 million, and he turned it down. I was like, okay, he could go someplace else or would handle it in the offseason. That was a great offer, and now he has a lot to prove. Um, and when you get close to the night, I was still like on the fences, what it's going to do. But And then they turned, I woke up the next morning, and lo and behold, I didn't get April Fool's joke. A Lindor signed for. $341 million. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was starting to believe that uh, this was some sort of cruel April Fool's joke. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you called it too. You said, you said in the last episode it was going to come down to the wire right before opening day, but that an agreement would be reached and Lindor would sign. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Happened. I think it was the right, the right choice to do. It was just, uh, I think Steve Cohen was a little bit pressured on it part because he made the signing and he was surprised me. Probably was surprised they turned down to $325 million. Yep. And uh, he won at 400 and they kind of met in between. So Yeah, they met in the middle. He's yep. going to get paid very wealthy, and I, I, I can't wait to get a Lindor jersey. Yeah. Maybe I'll get a black one when they have them on sale. Ooh, yes, yes. In fact, I, I do want to talk about the black jerseys, but I, th- I think I want to save that for our uh... – I think I want to save that for the next episode, but I am I, I do want to touch base on uh, the whole uh, black jerseys coming back. So it, it's incredible with, with that deal. You're basically, which by the way, is now not only the third largest contract in MLB history, but also you're keeping Lindor and Met essentially for the remainder of his career. Uh, he'll be in his age, what, 38 season? 38. Uh, his contract. He's going to be dangerously uh, great and uh, 38 yeah. years old. I mentioned before that this deal puts Lindor in the top three biggest all-time contract. So you have Mike Trout at the top of the list who signed 12 years, $426.5 million deal with the Angels. Mookie Betts, who signed with the Dodgers uh, last year, 12 years, $365 million. And then we have Lindor, 10 years, 341. 
you know, just eclipsing the $340 million deal Fernando Tatis signed with the Padres recently. So it's obvious that Lindor was go- what he was going for. He wanted to be the highest paid shortstop in the game. And it appears that that extra million more than Tatis got from the Padres was the magic number. Yeah, it seems like they, that's what he wanted. He said he was the best shortstop out there. So he means there's nobody better than me. So I guess he got it. Right, yeah. And, and you know what's interesting at these numbers? The, the Mookie Betts deal with the Dodgers was eerily similar to Lindor, not only in years and salary, but the acquisitions themselves were identical. So last season, the Dodgers, they landed Betts, blockbuster trade with the Red Sox over the winter. Uh, the delayed season was set to open July 23rd. Bam, Betts signs last minute on the 22nd. Enter Lindor, acquired from Cleveland, another blockbuster trade, signs the night before opening day. So $341 million, do you think we overpaid for Lindor? I think it's too early to determine um, that. I would say as an old Mets fan, as when it was the Wilpons, absolutely. I mean, we probably would never afford him that way. Because of Stephen Cohen, I think that we have to see what happens this year and see what happens down the line and determine if it was overpaid contract. Um, I don't like long-term contracts. Never did. I said last episode too, but it happened. And now we have to see, you know, at least get good seven out of 10 years. I'll be very happy with that. It's a lot of money, but the length 10 years, it's not a bad deal. It is a gamble. There is risk. Absolutely. There's always risk with any contract, right? But if it works out, if it works out, this will be a great thing for this team and also help bring other players in down the road. Guys are going to want to play with this guy. And and, I mean, until this deal, the most money the Mets had ever shelled out was the extension to David Wright back in 2012. What was it? $138 million, I think. Yeah. Seven years. So big deal. This is still a lot of money for a guy, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But um, it's, I like the, I like the leadership he showed in the first four games. Um, when David Pearson yesterday was having a struggle, he took the step up and hit him on the shoulder. I don't know if you saw that on TV. Hit him on the back. It's like we'll get you. We'll get them back for you. Yep. So yep. he hit him. And he, lift, he lifts up the I other. Like yeah. Thing. Yeah. He's he lifts up the team. That's exactly the. Yeah. That's exactly what we need. It's interesting because I, I had been reading comments on social media throughout the whole process, and I'm I'm simply amazed at how many fans were ready to turn on this guy. And how him turning down the three hundred million from the Mets originally was selfish and this and that, but but you know what? If I were Lindor, I would have done the same thing. If I were the Mets, I would have done the same thing. There's there's no bad guy here. Professional athletes have a shelf life, and Lindor had every right to pursue his value and get the most that he could while he could. Lindor felt he was worth three hundred and eighty-five million. The Mets felt he was worth three twenty-five. But I will say, I will say this: If Lindor and the Mets didn't find common ground to get a deal done, regardless of how it played out, it would have looked bad for the Mets. It would have looked bad on Lindor with how the fans perceived him going forward, and the fans, no doubt, would have let him hear it throughout the season and made it a very difficult place to play yeah, in New I York. Was, I was just about to ask you the same question: Would you boo him on opening day if he had a big cheer for him today for the home opener? Would you boo him if they if they turned him down? And I think a lot of Mets fans would have. Yeah. And would not be as all happy as they were and be mm-hmm. a big standing ovation. Yeah. And, and the booing would far out uh, overshadow, you know, all the cheers, no doubt. And uh, but yeah, again, I, w- I, I would not have booed him if I was in the stands. I would have, you know, 
we have him. We have him for the year. Hopefully, he helps the team, right? Um, and move yeah. onward and upward. But uh, right. again, it's yeah. New York. New it's York, New York. New York yeah. fans and uh, is a very rough, rough around the edges, like they would say. Mm-hmm. And that's what New York fans are. So, and some people will do success at different parks, and some people will come here and just be another Jason Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jason Bay. That was a that was a disaster, wasn't it? Holy, yeah. what was it? What was it? Four years? Four years? Uh, I don't even remember the dollar. Like forever. Now. Yeah, it did feel like forever. It felt like forty. <laughs> but yeah, but the fact the fact that the Mets were able to get this done and not let a superstar like Lindor slip through the fingers was a big statement. It was big for this franchise, and it was a big day for Mets fans. Absolutely, absolutely. You also have to wonder what the impact of the Lindor deal is going to have on the free agent market going into at the end of the season. I mean, you've got the Dodgers, uh, Corey Seager, who was 26, Carlos Correa on the Astros, also 26. Then there's the 28-year-old Trevor Story with Colorado, great shortstops, all young and all similar in age to Lindor. So uh, Lindor set an insane baseline for these guys with this deal. Even Trey Turner with the Nationals, who's still another two seasons away, I believe, from hitting free agency himself. But you can bet he's taking notice as well. Uh, and, and these guys are going to be looking at something very similar to what Lindor got. Whether or not they get it remains to be seen, but it's going to be very interesting to see. Are you serious? Thank you for what, standing there? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, we're going to see probably even higher than 341. And then uh, I wonder if he's going to kick himself in the butt and be like, oh, I won 342. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's well, locked up for 10 years and we'll... Well, yeah. Yeah, he set the bar high, that's for sure. And, and again, we, we still don't know who came around to meet in the middle uh, when negotiations were supposedly at a standstill. The Mets reported final offer was the 10 years, 325, and Lindor was asking for the 12 years at 385. So you're talking a $60 million gap in negotiations. So I, I don't think we know who ended up caving. Did Cohen come back at last minute and say, look, we, we need this guy? Or did the Lindor come back around and counter his own counteroffer? I, I don't know if there's been any. There was a report that Cohen called that night uh, and said, this is, the off- this is the offer that we came up to you. So I think, think Cohen uh, came in because there was no talks. Mm-hmm. And then I heard on SNY that they, he called him around like 10 o'clock at night and said, this is the offer. Gotcha. So, okay. all right. Well, yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, I guess it, it, it's not really, I guess it's not really important, but I, I am curious. We may never know for sure, and that's okay. No. But, but for no. the caliber of a player that Lindor is right now, he knew what he was worth. The Mets know what he's worth. And at the end of the day, Cohen stepped up to the plate and got the deal done. Now we move on to our next priority to sign Conforto. And I think a deal will get done as well. And there's also already, I believe, preliminary talks involving DeGrom uh, and working out a new contract. Because I think his, I think his opt-out is approaching uh, after next season. I'm not, I'm not certain, but uh, 2022 his opt-out is after next season. Yep. So it's after next season. Yeah. So they, 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 yeah. So they want to, they want to focus on him as well, you know. And then you got Syndergaard coming back. We talked about that last week. But, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how things play out, but one day at a time, one step at a time, and uh, let's be happy for what we have now and trust in what this organization has planned for the future. You got to believe in, you got to believe in uncle Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to what the Mets have been doing on the field. 
opening day, we were, man, we were really hoping to get a full week of Mets baseball under our belt to talk about. Everyone, unfortunately, we all got that notification on our phones last week that the Mets start to the season was postponed due to the Nationals having a few players con- uh, contract COVID. It was rough. I thought it was April Fool's joke for real. I was looking at all social media going up and down yeah. the channels and going flipping back. Well, he didn't announce it yet. Well, this one didn't announce it yet. Well, is the media lying and just playing a good joke on us? Is this like the next uh, Oma Flores kind of thing that he cries on the field? He got traded and it didn't happen. So I was kind of like always like thinking I was just because it was April. It was April first. So if it was a different day, I would I would totally believe it. Be like okay. But because it was April Fools, I was trying to figure out if it really was legit. Bad timing all around. But, um, you know, I, I was bummed that opening day was pushed back, but probably not nearly as much as you, Charlie. I mean, you took the day off from work to watch a game that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so. It turned out to be like a law and order party. At oh, that's it, yeah. And oh, stable you- returning party. <laughs> so, <laughs> opening day party. Well, there you go. Well, you made the most of it then. Yeah. I always, I always like find out my way for opening day to mm-hmm. kind of be off or go to the game if they if they're home or I try to. It's a it's a holiday for me, and as well it should be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, have those makeup games with with Washington? Have they already been worked into the schedule? I don't know. Yeah, they have. They have. Okay. Um, I have the updated on our wall. Actually, we updated on the wall. I put the schedule out last night. Mm. Um, so it's going to be, let me pull out my calendar. I actually have it. It's probably going to be a couple of double headers, I would assume. First double header is going to be June 19th. It's a one o'clock game, the first one, and the second game is going to be at six. And then June 28th is it was an off day for both teams. And they're going to go from Philly to Washington, then to Atlanta. So the 28th is they're going to go one day in Washington, D.C. at 7.05. And then, then we have to wait all the way to September, the last makeup game, which is going to be Labor Day weekend, which is going to be a five-game series against the Nationals, which is going to probably be if the Mets and Nationals are in. If they're in it, that's going to be Who the hell makes up this schedule? <laughs> yeah. What? It's going to be a five-game series. September 4th is going to be the makeup game for, at 105 and 605. Oh, that it's could be a five- big – yeah. That yeah. could be a big series depending on where we're sitting come September. But Yeah. Wow. So, I, I was kind of upset that they did did that. They could have done the 28th as an off day, um, a doubleheader that day. And then they really, they only have to make up one game and could have found some ground like another off day someplace. I don't understand why all these different days, but that's Major League Baseball for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hate I hate that rule, by the way, with the doubleheaders, the seven-inning doubleheaders. I, I yeah. absolutely despise it. Uh, seven innings, it's not baseball. They brought back the worst of the rule changes from last year. <laughs> of all the stupid rule changes that decided to bring back, the seventh inning rule and the automatic runner on second and the extra inning, uh, it's just stupid. Just another boneheaded rule by the, the MLB to force games to end faster. I guess those those two doubleheaders, that'd be a great time to do an opener like we discussed last time in our in our, in our podcast. That we, yeah, when are they going to do an opener? It was ID during spring training, and they can't do too many of them. I would do openers during those double headers. That's the only time I would. That would that be the time sense. to do it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, I despise that. I despise that rule. It, it's a damn shame. And it, it's, it's like watching someone put ketchup on their eggs. It's just wrong. I do. <laughs> why, why? Why? Why would they do this? 
it's wrong, I tell you. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, our, our season didn't start on time, but we only had uh, we only had to wait an extra few days. You know, we waited this long, right? What's another few days? So right. op- opening day finally did come around this past Monday or opening day 2.0 and having actual fans in the ballpark was great to see. I, I didn't, I didn't mind the canned crowd noise last season. Uh, you know, they definitely needed to add that. They needed some atmosphere to add some life to the games. Otherwise it would have just been rather dull to watch that last season with no, no crowd noise. No. But it, it's yeah. great to have the fans back, but Hopefully, as the season goes on and more and more people are vaccinated and restrictions are loosened, uh, hopefully more and more fans will be allowed in. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, already, well, Texas is, is sold out. Uh, Marlins are offering great sta- <laughs> almost sold out stands. So, and then uh, we'll see. I know the Phillies offer 25% with the opening series. So, we'll get there one day at a time. But I think as the stadium goes on, we'll get, we'll get more uh, people out there. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Going into this series, you couldn't help but feel the Phillies had an advantage. The, the Mets were ready to go against the Nationals, and then having that entire that entire series postponed, no doubt took the wind out of their sails. Meanwhile, the Phillies coming off of a three-game sweep of the Atlanta Braves. Gr- granted, Philadelphia didn't score many runs in that series, but their pitching had been stellar from their starting pitching to the bullpen. And they were 3-0 and going into the series with the Mets. So the Phillies definitely had momentum going in. Yeah, I was – the Phillies were a shocker to me as well because I didn't expect them to start off that great with Atlanta. I'm not expecting them to be that great this year at all. They, I think they're going to be right with Mullins, and they kind of surprised me with that. They're, they're going to come back down to earth. They're, they're off to a hot start. It happens. We were off to kind of a slow start. You know, that's, that's baseball. It's a crazy game. I do not – think the Phillies are as good as their record shows at the moment. It's just, you know, they're off to a hot start. It's going to happen. Fortunately, we did miss Wheeler in this series, who, by the way, I think Zach Wheeler could be an under-the-radar contender for the Cy Young this season. Uh, if he stays healthy, he's definitely someone to keep a close eye on. We never should have let that guy go, I'm telling you. I, I really like Wheeler. We, I really like Wheeler as well, but he's it's a shame that he's on the Phillies. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you watch Matt's as another great pitcher on his first game. Yes, it's great. He had a great, he had a great, great. first game for for uh, yeah. for the Blue Jays. I nine think nine, yeah, six six innings, nine strikeouts, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and he pitched. They pitched better than the whole last season. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, change of scenery is going to be good for him. Uh, I, yeah. I I wish him well. I wish him well, and, um, unless he faces us, of course. Yeah, even Harvey had a good game. Oh, yes. If you saw that. Harvey yes, had a very good first he did. Well. I, I specifically watched that that game because I wanted to see how well Harvey was, was going to do. And he looked really good. He had, he, his velocity was up a little bit. He, he had some movement on his pitches. He looked good. So let's get to the first game Yeah, um, where we lost where We lost in, in the eighth inning. DeGrom looked great the first couple of innings, and um, he looked great the whole game. And I should, I thought they should have kept him in. What, do you, what did you think? I agree with you. Uh, we had our ace on the mound for this game, and I I don't know. I, I don't know what else there is to say. It was a typical DeGrom start. Six scoreless innings, seven strikeouts, two walks. He got basically no run support. <laughs> he, he had a two-run lead. One of those runs he contributed himself, yeah. uh, an, an RBI single in the fourth, and, you know, and he had two hits, you know, with that. He was DeGrom. He was phenomenal. He was the only real bright spot in an otherwise unfortunate game. He threw, he threw 77 pitches through six innings of work, 77. 
he let only one extra base hit all game. He was never, he never got, got himself into trouble or anything. Uh, what does Rojas do? Takes Jake out of the game. 77 pitches. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. And he only pitched five pitches the, um, in the fifth inning. And he mm-hmm. pitched, I think, somewhere around like 10 or so in the sixth inning. So he was just getting better and better and better. And um, they spoke to Rojas after the game. He was saying, oh, because he's going to pitch on Saturday and he has a 10-day rest. And But DeGrom needs to stay in that game. He needs to stay in. I know it's early in the season. It's the first opening day. But I would put him out there for the seventh. And I would average around 95, 90 to 95 pitches, even if it's opening day and didn't have that. That's what I would average around, not 77 pitches. I was – Yeah. No, too, was, too, too soon. Yeah, and it was also just another Met game, a typical Met game. Like, it was just everything, regular game, Mets have a lead. They take the pitcher out early. Nobody knows why. And then they put the bullpen in. And, and I call, I said at night, hey, the, the bullpen comes here. They're going to blow it. Cash yeah. it and do it. Okay. Somebody's going to blow it. Mm-hmm. And, of yeah, course, it, it was Met new person I was so happy to bring aboard and I was like surprised and then loop hitting the guy and then they did throw the ball around the base the ball going the lines are throwing here and they, they were throwing the ball all over the place and mm-hmm. it looked like a typical Mets loss yeah, typical. It, it, yeah once the Grom was out it was it was Murphy's law everything everything that could go wrong went wrong <laughs> he you know I, I've been giving Rojas the benefit of the doubt after his first season we discussed this last time but but after, after one game, my confidence in him is already starting to wane. This is DeGrom. This is your ace. At 77 pitches and still throwing 100 miles per hour. Nah, let's take him out. What happens? Bullpen blows it. Yeah, jackass. <laughs> it's, 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 it's insane. I mean, with the exception of Castro, who carried he, – he had a successful spring. He carried it over into the, the season. Aside from him – by the way, he's got some wicked movement on that fastball. What a zip that yeah. thing's got. Insane. But with the exception of Castro, the pen collapsed. May struck out the first bat. I was excited to see May. Struck out the first battery he saw, but then gave up a hit to Brad Miller, uh, issued a walk to McCutcheon, and then a single to Reese Hoskins to load the bases. Rojas brings in loop, like you said, to face Harper. He was he, Harper, I believe he faced, right? Yeah, it was Harper. Yeah, you know. yeah lefty, lefty against lefty. And what, what's the worst that can happen, right? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Lou hits Harper, like you said, forces in that run. You know, now the Phillies have now the Phillies have two right-handed bats due up. You have to keep Loop in due to the three batter rule, another stupid rule. What happens? Base hit the third, Guillaume uh, in as a defensive replacement, throws it home, try to get the fourth out, gets misplayed by McCann, gets away, two run score. And you know, eventually the Mets went on to lose 5-3. Another brilliant start by Degrom. Another brilliant start wasted. I thought he almost had a shot coming back there. I was kind of thought that ball was going to get a home run by Alonzo. And the there was of the a night, lot of win that night. A lot of win. A lot of balls. Yeah, should have been that, out, a lot of balls should have been out of that park that night. Yeah, I thought that was hit hard, and I was like, um, "I think that's going to go." <laughs> that would have been one of comeback, but it didn't yeah. turn out that way. Mm-hmm. But they yeah, were, they were showing was, fight. They 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 were trying. You know. But it just it just didn't work out, you know. I I, I hate talking about hypotheticals, Charlie. I I do because th- there is no better way to lose sleep over something than what ifs. <laughs> but let's play devil's advocate for a second. Say Degrom comes back out for the seventh, right? 
who who do you who do you go to for the eighth? Do you send do you send May out at that point, or do you go with Castro who pitched the seventh? Someone else who would you go to if Degrom does pitch the seventh inning? Who do you send out for the eighth? Um, I, I would send out I would send out May. I would have done that, um, but I would not keep May in there long if he struggled. I would took Diaz and here's Diaz's spot to prove to himself that he's he's going to be a pitcher. And I would have done a, a at least a five out save or four out save. I would have done that for him. Um, so yeah. if that you put in May in and he gave up the first base hit, he got he got the first strikeout. Let's say it's all same repeat. He got the first strikeout, and then he gave up a hit, and then he gave up another hit, and now you have second first and second with one out. Now bring in Diaz and get the get the five out save. I, I am, I am with you uh, on Diaz. Uh, for, for me, I would send the Grom out for the seventh. I still would have brought Castro in, you know, then if all goes according to plan, like you said, bring Diaz in to close it out in the ninth, but you have to get there first. But a- anyway, now that, now that we have the, the negatives out of the way, there were some positives during that game. Uh, the first being that I, I did not throw my phone against the wall after the pen came in and blew it. And I, <laughs> I'm not certain, but I think that means that I'm growing as a person. <laughs> but no, I, I, the we kind of used to it. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've gone through so many phones. Uh, but aside from the Grom being Cy Young-esque uh, in this start, Alonzo looked great. He showed great discipline at the plate. He wasn't swinging all over the place like he was doing a lot of the time last season. He had a couple of hits, made a nice diving stop in the seventh. Uh, Lindor looked comfortable. He got himself a hit. First inning, there was that amazing relay by McNeil to get Hoskins out of third, attempting to stretch that double into a triple. Right. DeGrom got the infield single in, in the third. The first Mets hit of the season, and Gary Cohen was talking about that. With that hit, DeGrom made history with being the first Mets pitcher to get the team's first hit of the season. <laughs> and first time it's ever happened, and it's DeGrom. That could be the last time that ever happens. because it's. It, but it's very <laughs> – Especially next year, we're going to go to DH. So, right. Yeah. 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 Oh. And it, it figures it figures that DeGrom would get the Mets first hit of the season. All right. Before we move on to game two, though, uh, if there was a silver lining with it, with the Mets season opener getting postponed, it was the fact that we didn't have to listen to A-Rod and the ESPN announcers. Uh, oh, thank God. Yeah. It, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> you know, in, in our opening, we were able to listen to Gary Keith and Ron in the booth. Ron. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we're, the we're, best we're, announcers we're, in baseball. Yep, absolutely. And we're, we're really spoiled to have those guys calling the games. They're, they're amazing. They, they, they could talk about the weather and draw you in and make it interesting. Yeah. It's just a chemistry, chemistry they, between them. Yep. They're funny. It's like today I was, I was laughing hysterical when they kept saying Pilar and Villar. And he's like, yeah. come on, Keith, say it with me, Pilar and Villar. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about, what about uh, Keith with his cat? Did, did, you, did you hear that? The commentary that somebody was trying to get in? into his apartment or his house to feed the cats and yep. him the key. And he's like, Oh, I got a family emergency. And everyone's all concerned. Like, I can't feel yeah, like and he was talking about his opening debt when he did opening day, the real opening day they, uh, that was supposed to be, he was cleaning out his closet and like, cleaning out this and that. So I was like, yes, no, they're, I they're, love watching them and listen to them. They're, yeah. They're aside from the game. They're, they're the best thing about the Mets. They're, they're, they're so entertaining to listen to and watch. Just their banter back and forth, and I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I cannot stand the ESPN announcers. They, they spend more time talking about nonsense and interviewing players and managers throughout the entire game, and they, you know, do that crap in pregame or postgame. I just want to watch some baseball. 
Yeah. You know, they, they do it all the time. And not for nothing, though, uh, Anthony Recker, he did commentary in one of the, the Mets spring, uh, one of the last spring training games for the Mets. And I thought he did a fantastic job. I wouldn't mind having him come in from time to time if need be. I don't know if you listened yeah. to that game. I, I think it was okay for what game. it was. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. bad. But, but again, I'm glad we got the got to start the season with the boys in the booth espn announced they're just they're just so damn boring dynamite drop in money that broadcast school has really paid off let's move on to game two charlie yeah so for game two um we finally won a game <laughs> felt like we felt like for a little bit for, for a little bit but we went eight to four um offense we we like to walk around we walked to we got almost what how many walks was that game i think it was on seven walks we had at least which was we that was great to see that we had some home run power by Alonzo and Dominic and Smith. Smith. Yeah. Both of them hit home runs that were long shots. The Dom bomb. Um, yeah. I was very surprised. I was very happy with Stroman. I think he did a phenomenal job as a as a pitcher. Yeah, there you go. Say, I, said yeah. it, I said it correctly for you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, considering he hasn't um, had a start in over a year, you know, he opted out last season. All things considered, yeah. he, he had a great. He looked solid. He looked really, really good, and uh, I was happy, really happy with him. Um, Luis made the right choice when to take him out. I think that was fine. The bullpen was a little shaky again, um, yeah. but otherwise, it was a pretty solid, good, good game. It was just a good, a good win. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, could not agree with you more. Uh, Stroman looked great. Six innings pitched through through 85 pitches, gave up three hits, uh, three strikeouts. I think he gave up a walk, maybe two. I don't remember, but he looked great. He, he had a lot of movement on a lot of movement on his pitches. He had that two seamer working the slider, good break on the curve, with the exception of the solo home run that he gave up to Didi Gregorius which was the only blemish on an otherwise stellar outing. The Phillies made a lot of contact off of Stroman, but they couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and again, like you said, when I saw, when I saw Rojas take Stroman out in the sixth, I was thinking, oh, God, not again, man. Obviously, Taylor's thinking, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. <laughs> this looks all too familiar. <laughs> First to Grom, now Stroman. <laughs> I mean, his pitch count was a little higher than the Grom's granted, you know, yeah. the night before. I, I, but... I, was, I was fine with that because I yeah. actually – if they would have blown the game, I was like, I was on the same border. Carolina said, all right, he's trying, his pitch counts higher. I, I was ready for the bullpen to come in, but yeah, it got a little scary. Yeah, so he pulls, he pulled, he pulled Stroman. And who does he send back out there? Castro and May. <laughs> the same two guys. I was really Philly- surprised about that. I was surprised to pitch back to back days, especially it, now you have a whole, you have a couple games in a row and you're going to yes. go for four games. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised about that. I thought he was like, okay, let's try, uh, Familia, let's try. Well, we've, now we found out Batanzas is hurt, but you know, back then I didn't know Batanzas is hurt. Let's try Batanzas, you know, or something that. Yeah. I, yeah. Have we seen Gelsman pitch a game yet? No, no, <laughs> yeah. we have not. But I got to tell oh, you, so, so, someone should needed to tell Rojas that he had more than three pitches at the at his disposal in the pen. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you get you have the same two guys who the Phillies faced less than twenty four hours prior, mind you. You know, again, right. mind you, again, uh, Castro he was solid the night before, ran into a little bit of trouble the second time, but I mean, he was tagged to three hits and an earned run. But again, they seen this guy a day before that they, they know what to expect from him. You know, you got to mix it up a little bit. I know. I guess they figured, you know, he had success against them the night before. Eh, throw him out there again, but yeah. just uh, he mix up the lineup all the time. Why can't he mix up the bullpen? Right. I'm with you on that, Charlie. <laughs> yes. 
three, three different three different games, three different lineups. But yeah, but at the same time, May had a much better outing than the night before. He had two strikeouts, and then Famili- uh, Familia came in, in the ninth, right, to close it out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Familia yeah, came in. He was a little scary. As he was well. he was he as expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was it was anything but smooth for him. Yeah, he uh, two yeah. runs, two two runs allowed, uh, a walk, two hits. He did get a strikeout. He had that going for him. But again, back to what we were talked about in the last episode regarding Familia. He has a serious issue with keeping runners off the base, <laughs> and and thankfully it worked out this time. You know the Mets were the the Mets ended up holding on eight to four for the win. They had they scored eight runs that game, so yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah, they, they scored runs. The, the lineup took a big step forward in this game. Alonzo Smith, you said, both hitting bombs, uh, first home runs of the season. Lindor got his first RBI in a Mets uniform. Uh, Nimmo had a great day at the plate, uh, three walks. An RBI, a stolen base. We did have that little scare with JD in the second after getting drilled in the hand by a pitch. Uh, but yeah, you, yeah two, two X-rays done uh, as a, precau- a second X-ray as a precaution, and they were they were both negative. So he's listed his day to day. Yeah, after, he should after, be back by this weekend. I, I think by this weekend he should be back in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. after seeing the replay on that, I, I didn't even think it hit him. It, it, even the sound it made, it, it, it sounded like it was all bad. And like maybe it ricochet, maybe it ricocheted off the handle and just caught a piece of him. But I mean, he's out. He's obviously hurt. But it, looking back at that replay, it did not seem like it made contact with him at all. Game two was a great win for the Mets. Yes, it was a great win. Um, game three was like an old Met game. Um, it was like yeah. the old time. <laughs> Good old Met Boy, game. was it ever a classic Met game? Absolutely. Yeah. Strand runners all around the bases. Yeah, I think Pearson made Met fans say, oh, he did a horrible job. You know, I actually think he didn't do that bad. I think Pearson had – he was a little jumpy on the first inning, and he was a little probably nervous, and he probably wanted to do well, and probably this is the first time with fans in the stands as well. So he had a little adrenaline going in him. And he probably was nervous. So sure. first inning, yeah, he he did he did didn't pitch as great, but he went out there in the second inning, and I think he turned it around. Uh, second, third, and fourth inning he was a totally different pitcher in my eyes, and he mm-hmm. kept us in the game. They, he he had the hits. He probably was tired, but the second, third, and fourth—that's what I'm gonna look at. And I think he did a great job, and he deserves to get another outing, and not you know, oh, we're gonna question. He deserves that outing, and I definitely think that was a progress, a step in the right direction. And I think, you know, it could have went a lot worse for him. Um, his line doesn't look that great, but if you watch the game, you say, "All right, he he showed some strength in him." I, I agree with you. I I, I got to tell you, Charlie, I had a bad feeling going into that game. Uh, I loved Peterson last year; I thought it was great, but I feared he was going to run into trouble early on, and that's what happened. Again, I, I agree with you. I think the fans in the stand put a little more pressure on him. He wasn't used to it. He was nervous. Uh, this this game, this loss, was a more difficult pull to swallow than the game that the Grom pitched. Peterson, he, he just didn't have it early on. He eventually settled down, but by that point, it was just too much of a hole for the Mets to climb out of. It's not like and and the it's Mets not stranded like, everybody on base. They yeah, had it's more not like hits and gonna, they stranded everybody. Yeah, it, <laughs> everybody it, didn't move. It's not like they didn't have their chances, right? I mean, they were hitting. Yeah. They just couldn't drive anyone in. They stranded 14 base runners that night. And yeah. 14 base runners, that's... That's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 If we were able to cash in half of those, we would have won the game. Likely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah 11, 11 hits, 14 runners stranded. It's just, it's a crying shame. But uh, and, and then we had Batances come in 
And he just looked absolutely terrible. Well, now we find out he was injured. <laughs> yeah, they come to find out he was injured. But, I mean, he couldn't – something's not right. I mean, he couldn't find the zone. He's throwing three to four feet off the plate. Batances, you know, yeah. Batances has always been an erratic pitcher, but his velocity was way down as well in this game. And afterwards, uh, I think it was Anthony DeComo, uh, he announced – yeah, that he, that he had been injured. Batances is now on the 10-day the injured list. Uh, shoulder impingement, I believe. Yeah, I'm excited to see who they brought up, though, the, the side, honor, side um, um, guy. So Yeah, I think uh, Trevor Hiddenberger he had a, or something, he had a right? Good, he had a good spring training. He had a good spring training. That's the guy that does side, side arm. If yeah, you have not yeah. seen a side arm pitcher in Mets uniform for a long time, it feels like. And um, I always like that trick, the side arm throw. So I kind of – I'm a little – yeah, it's kind of mesmerizing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, so, yeah, yeah. I always like the side on myself. Yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, delivery. So yeah, we'll see how he does. We'll see what he has. The Mets lost this game, and unfortunately, the series. But there again, there were quite a few reasons to be optimistic about the season. Lucchese came in; he looked really good. Two innings pitched, three strikeouts. Um, I was surprised they brought him in. I thought they. I said, you know what? He should come out. He should come in the fifth, or you know, if. Um, I'm surprised they brought him that late in the game, and I'm surprised they kind of put that in there, you know, that he's that put him out there for two innings that late in the game. I was a little surprised with that, knowing that he's going to be a number five starter after the series, you know, after the series. The series. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're they're they're, they're sending they're going to send the Grom back out on on regular rest, so they don't have a need for a fifth. So I guess they figured, hey, get get the work in. You know, gets but the need for a fifth during like next week. Next week, they need for a fifth. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to switch to the fifth. Yeah, but the, the schedule worked out. They don't need him to start. But two innings. Hey, I, I thought he looked great. I I, yeah. I love this guy's delivery off the mound. He looks almost robotic, but but very fluid. If that makes any sense, I, he 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 draws his knee so far up to his chest. Very wide wind up. I love watching this guy. I'm excited to see him pitch a in a full game and, and see how he'll be a number fifth starter. Our rotation is looking pretty solid though. Really, really solid with everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy with what I've been seeing so far. Yeah. And again, once the bats yeah. get clicking, we're, we're going to be, I am not worried about this team. We're off to a rocky start, but we're, we're coming around. And uh, Nimmo uh, again, another, another game. He looked amazing at the plate. The guy just does not swing at anything outside of the zone. He's getting on base, which is exactly what you want from your leadoff hitter. VR looked good. Uh, he had a couple extra base hits, uh, a triple, a triple and a double. I was surprised McNeil yeah. was on the bench. I was surprised McNeil was benched. Yeah, I, was, I did not agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think I know it, it's early in the season, but I think maybe Rojas just wanted him to clear his head a little bit because he he has been the one struggling the most in this lineup. Uh, there, there's quite a few that have been struggling off and on, but. McNeil and McNeil gets in his own head at times. You can tell you saw that last year too, when he was struggling big time, he really got into his own head and that affected his, him at himself at the plate. So I think Rojas was like, Hey, take a night off, just collect yourself and get back out there. But you know, it, it, it is what it is, but apparently that may have paid dividends in uh, the home opener, because, which we will get to. But, uh, but, but again, back to Lindor, he looked great too. He had, he had that awesome, uh, very amazing defensive play in the six, beating out Ramuto's grounder. Ramuto's he's, he's a big yeah. guy, but he's got some speed and Lindor made a great play. Lindor makes difficult plays look so effortless. It, 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 it's just amazing to watch. So there's going to be a lot more of that this season. That's for sure. That's why we got them. My takeaway from this series in Philadelphia, listen, again, the Mets are going to be just fine. 
I know this feels all too familiar to some, but teams go through this. I told, I told you this earlier, Charlie, some start off hot, some have trouble getting off the ground and look at Atlanta got swept by the Phillies. You know, their, yeah. their, their pitching and hitting was in, looking inept, but, but Atlanta, Atlanta, after over the last couple of games, they're starting to show signs of life and they're, they're going to end up, Atlanta's going to end up being a dangerous team. And uh, when they get going and they're starting to, and the same can be said for the Mets, when the Mets get going, look out. And w- once everything clicks and it will, this team's going to be exciting to watch. They're already exciting, but it's going to be something special. And going into the home opener, I couldn't think of a better team for the Mets to face to start getting in gear than the Miami Marlins. I I, I knew going into this series, the Mets would get things going. Yep, and then we'll, hopefully we'll see how on Saturday how they go against you know game two. Probably the you know the ground is going to be the ground. What did you think of uh, Walker for the home opener? Yeah, I mean, Walker pitching. Yeah, so yeah, so on Thursday. The Mets headed home for their home opener against them against Miami, who uh, Miami, they had an impressive spring, but they're, they, they've been off to a rough start. And this goes back to what I was saying. You know, you start off, you start off hot, you start off cold. The, the Mets had uh, newly acquired uh, righty Ty, uh, Taiwan Walker on the mound. He was, he was, it was, I was excited to see this guy pitch. Uh, you know, we had Lacazy come in the bullpen the, the, the night before, but I was really excited to see Walker on the mound out of everyone. And he pitched. And, yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was throwing no hitter for a little bit of time. Too. Yeah, I think carried into the, <laughs> into the fifth, maybe. But yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, we know we we know what what the Grom and Stroman are capable of. But Walker was a guy to watch out for, and I was stoked to see this guy make his his start with the Mets. The Mets really couldn't do anything against against the Marlins, but we finally broke through in the fifth. Uh, bases loaded, sack fly by Dom Smith to drive in Lindor. Would have loved to get more out of that than just that one run, but the way the Mets were having difficulty getting runners home the night before, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, and again, Walker looked great, cruising through five innings, ran into a little bit of trouble in the six, giving up two runs. But overall, very impressive outing by Walker, and I'm looking forward to seeing him over the course of the season. Definitely, definitely a very underrated signing by the Mets. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh... I was I was very happy with him. I thought he pitched really, really great. The rest of the game, you know, the Mets struggled with the hitting again, and then the bullpen came in. The bullpen looked okay, looked uh, pretty well as well. Yeah, Diaz got some work and in. Diaz got some work in, and they and everybody looked good. Everybody hit was like a regular good game, and then you get to ninth inning and uh, McNeil hit that home run. Yeah, that's down two one. McNeil uh, comes to the plate. Yeah, it's a home run, and that was that was great. Um and you know, then we're gonna go right to the to the play of the game with the bases loaded and Conforto up there, and he moves himself <laughs> into the strike zone. Um, yeah, yeah. That's... I would like to see him get base hit, even even get a walk, but it's not it's not a it's only game game four. Um, it's not a clincher game, and mm-hmm. um, he won't. I don't think he will get his head hit tomorrow on Saturday. I mean, um, well, we can move on. It. it, it it has happened to the Mets before. We have seen games that were, you know, we had no control of. Yeah, and walking that run, the, the winning run in. Yeah, it's nice to be on the other side. It's very nice to be on the other side. side. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he totally then, leaned in, he totally leaned his elbow into that pitch. It would have been a called third strike, and you know, you you know, Conforto has been striking out a lot on those borderline pitches that are way too close to call. He's been struggling at the plate. He saw an opportunity. He took it. And it paid off, but 
he didn't even try to hide it. It was blatantly obvious in the replay. And after the umpires reviewed it, I was surprised it was upheld. You know, I, I yeah. guess how, how can you really overturn that? But looking at the replay, like he went into that pitch. He wasn't trying to get out of the way. Uh, may, maybe I'm in the minority on this one, but I feel uh, a win is a win. And as controversial, it's not just, not just because I'm a Mets fan and they won, but a win is a win. And as controversial as that ending might have been, it was a win that the Mets very much needed. So, you know, the, the Mets didn't win the season opener, but they did walk away with a win in front of their fans in their home opener. So right. this, was, this was a big win for the Mets, and it's exactly the type of a win that lights a fire under teams. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. Right, and, and maybe that would get Conforto going. Who knows? That Conforto has been struggling. Maybe that would somehow get him going for next game. Like yeah. he has now a little adrenaline in himself. And he says, all right. I got the winning run. Maybe next game I'm going to go out and get two for three. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And, you and never and, know when that might be that turnaround, and that that could have been it. And he's got and he's got to be thinking too. He said, "Yeah, I got to go out there because I can't I can't uh, jump into pitches every day. You know, I got to start yeah. hitting. <laughs> Those opportunities aren't going to come around too often. I need to start doing then, something." Um, his contract that he's, he's waiting for is not going right. to be that much. He wants that payday. He's got to. He's got to start doing something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a lot of bruising around his arm. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah. but again, back, back to McNeil. If anyone needed a huge hit like that, that home run in the ninth to tie it up, it was McNeil. The guy's been struggling big time at the plate through his first four games. And if it was going to happen to anyone, I'm glad it was him. I would like to, only one thing. I, will, I want to see Lindor hit a home run. I, I I hope I see that this weekend. It's, it's, it's going to come. It's going to come. I'm telling you, Charlie. And I, I just want to see his first home run. When Philadelphia comes uh, to City, I think uh, they're going to be playing a very different Mets team. I think, that, again, yeah. I, this this series with Miami is going to ignite something w- with this team. I agree with you. All right, folks. Well, we'd like to shake things up a bit and introduce a brand new segment in our show that we'd like to call Shay It Ain't So where we take a look back at some unfortunate mishaps and embarrassing moments in Mets history. Uh, there are quite a lot <laughs> because, you know, if, if you <laughs> where do we start? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, ha- I have a running list here. So, but you, you know, if you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? Right. So let's jump right into it and uh, take a look back at some forgettable blunders in Mets history. Uh, K-Rod, everyone remembers K-Rod, right? How could we forget? Uh, <laughs> in 2010, Mets closer Francisco Rodriguez decided it would be a good idea to punch his father-in-law in the face at City Field outside of the team's family lounge. Uh, this altercation happened right in front of the wives and children of his fellow teammates. Stay classy, Frankie. <laughs> I'll uh, never forget when he, I was down to spring training and he, I went up to him. I said, can you sign a ball? And he turned his hand and said, no. He was a chicken skin. He gave me the hand and said, no. He and he punched you in the face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You know, I was I was hurt by that 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 whole thing. He told me no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a character. Um, he was but, a character. But he was a character. Yeah. Uh, another another high profile signing that just didn't pan out for the Mets. He was just a another no. head case. But uh, following a frightening on-field collision in 2008, the Mets reportedly forced outfielder Ryan Church to fly on an airplane and play in several games. Uh, it was later revealed that Church had suffered a concussion. And after being traded the following year, Mets manager Jerry Manuel questioned Church's toughness for not playing through his head injury. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I, I did not like, I actually, I hated Manuel as a manager. And this just gave me one more reason. 
<laughs> Go out there. Suck it up. All right. All right, let's move on to the last one. Uh, I saved the best for last. This one is a doozy. Um, I do not know if anyone remembers this. Uh, I vaguely remember hearing about this, but I never really looked much into it until doing research for this episode. In 1989, New York's Mets pitcher David Cohn allegedly lured two women into the bullpen area of Shea Stadium and proceeded to do something highly inappropriate in front of them with uh, David's Cohn. Oh my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you believe that? Amazing. Um, amazing. Yeah, amazing in all the wrong ways. But uh, yeah, a loss. Uh, yeah, <laughs> typical. That, that, that's the Mets for you. But uh, yeah, a, loss, a lawsuit was filed against Cone and the Mets for $8.1 million, but was later thrown out of court. Jeez. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. How, how do you even segue away from something like that? Maybe I should have let off with that one. That's a t- uh, <laughs> How do you transition to the, ne- the next had, part of the episode? There's so many other choices. Steve, there's yeah, three I know. choices I you could have went with. Yeah, went well, with Castile falling down the stairs. Yeah. Or Castile dropping the ball. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, well, well that that'll that that's a good one too. Yeah, man. That 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 yeah. that, that was a rough run. Uh, definitely a lot a rough one to, to see with Castillo dropping that fly, that infield fly. And then he also fell down the stairs too. I don't remember that. I don't remember him falling down he the fell, stairs. He fell going up the stairs. Oh what in oh was that in what coming out of the dugout? Coming out of the dugout, he felt going up the stairs and he oh, was so out for like six weeks or so. Oh god. <laughs> I do not remember yeah. that. I do not remember that. But yeah, that's again typical Mets. That's something that would happen. Oh my god. Who was who was it also? Um my gosh, it was a few years ago. It, it might have been it might have been Blevins who 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 fractured his arm. Was it Ble- it might it was Ble- I don't know if it was Blevins or um who's who's the pitching coach for them now? Hefner. Hefner. It was. I can't remember if it was Blevins or if it was Hefner. He had fractured his arm, and he was healing up mid-season. And he stepped. He stepped off a curb, and he refractured his arm. He fell on the curb in the street. It, 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 yeah. Again, another another thing. Another Mets thing. It was Hefner. Yeah, or Blevins. Ses- I, Ses- I, he could have brought up too. And he fell off his the horses or whatever the horses. And the, the oh my God! That's a, the whole ranch. <laughs> the ranch. Which is way too. <laughs> Oh my God! But yeah, well, th- yeah. maybe that'll be in the next the next time we do this. But uh, but yeah, th- there are too many to count, Charlie. There are simply too many yeah. to count. So I had to, I had to pick three. I I went with the ones that stood out to me. But hey, ne- next time if 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 everyone likes this uh, this segment that we did, shade ain't so. Maybe maybe we'll stick with it. And uh, there's there's plenty more to choose from down the road. This was an idea. I like to do this throughout the whole season, and we go week by week. So we'll pick a team out of thirty teams, and which team would you think was most surprising? I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier. I'm going to go with the Orioles. They're they're, they're off to a hot start this season, uh, and again, they caught my eye mostly because of the signing of Matt Harvey. And, and if I can take it one step further, uh, a team that I am surprised by also is the Braves. They're off to a very very slow start. They're starting to they're starting to get their bats going now, but they were having a heck of a time winning ball games. And, you know, yeah. and they, they, they've been labeled, they're the team to beat in the NL East. I, I, I would, I would, I wouldn't say we are there yet. I'd say that I'd say the Braves are right above us, but we're, we are not too far behind. My team that was surprises is actually the team that we lost two out three against the Phillies. I thought the Phillies, I expected the Phillies to be worse than the Marlins this year. Um, I expected the Phillies to be a horrible team. I only think they, ha- I expected their bullpen to be 
like they were last year and the year before that, the bullpen to be horrible. I only know who ha- who's a good pitcher in their bullpen. Um, I, I expected them to have blow a lot of games, the pitching to be great, but to also, by the time the sixth inning comes around, they're giving up all these runs. Um, and I also expect them not to, I expect them, I also expect the Mets to be like score more runs against them during the, during the series because they're playing in Philadelphia. So I was very surprised how they kept the ball in the park pretty much besides Tuesday's win. And I pretty was surprised that the ballpen didn't, their ballpen didn't look that bad throughout even the Lancer series. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Phillies are surprising this season. Again, they're, they're going to come down to earth. The bullpen was an issue for the Phillies last season. Uh, it's a stark contrast from a year ago. They, they, it was a priority for the Philadelphia going into the offseason, and they basically rebuilt it from the ground up. The, the Phillies bullpen going into the series with the Mets, it was, uh, I believe, se- se- 7.1 innings, uh, one hit, no runs, 11-4 strikeout rate to walk ratio. So take that for what it is. It, it was, it's great and all, but is it sustainable? No. Uh, the Phillies are going to come back down to earth, and they're going to hit hard. <laughs> But right, right now, they, they are indeed off to a hot start. I, I will agree with you on that. All right, well, wrapping things up here, let's take a quick look at the Mets' upcoming schedule. Uh, the three-game series with the Marlins will conclude, up, uh, will conclude on Sunday. Uh, what do we have after that, Charlie? I believe the Phillies are coming to town, correct? Yeah, we got Phillies for four games, which is going to be an interesting series. Um, we're going to see really that, that series, uh, which is going to be – Interesting enough to see. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. At least of it, because we are going to see Wheeler. And then we go to Colorado, which uh, hopefully we don't get a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, that would be the Mets' luck. We already uh, missed a series with Washington. We could yeah. snow it out with the, in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. early to see Colorado. But yeah. We'll see Colorado, and then we'll go to Chicago and and uh, finish up there with, you know, before we go back to – before we head home, so – should be interesting. A couple of games here. I think the Mets are, you know, on track. I, I like to see the Mets take two out three against the Marlins and hopefully take three out four against the Phillies. And yeah. um, we'll see how they do against Colorado. Colorado is always a, a team that is horrible, but always played well against the Mets. Yeah. And they surprise us when we face them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, lastly, folks, uh, we have an exciting announcement. We are thrilled to announce that next week, uh, we will have our first guest on our show. We're very excited about it. Uh, who is it, you say? Well, you're just going to have to check out next week's episode to find out. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That concludes this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it and is, had as much fun as we did. Thank you all for listening in, and we hope to have you back for more amazing talk. Thank you, and let's go Mets. Let's f-ing go Mets.